You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. First Sunday of Vision Sunday. How are you, church? You're doing well? I mean, it is officially winter, but you're not cold, are you? It's not cold today, is it? 13 degrees, that's not bad. It's when you get wet and windy, that's when it gets cold. But it's a great day for vision and stuff like that. You know, you don't always have to do stuff in the natural because the natural does it that way. I should do vision, spring, summer, whatever. Uh, Why do we have to follow the pattern of natural? We should actually be beyond natural and stuff like that. Janet and I, when we were raising support to come to Australia, everybody that was raising support to go overseas would go north in the summer and south in the winter because of, you know, the snowy weather. We did the opposite. We went north in the winter to try to avoid all them and, uh, and get our first pick of getting support. So we got here in less than 12 months. We got here. Had a crash on the highway in a big snowstorm, but we got here. It was worth it. Yeah. Don't say that to Volkswagen, but it was worth it. So... How are we this morning? Hey, first and foremost, this morning, um, I want to thank, uh, thank our leader builders. Now, Jamie is being thanked because we sent him around Australia. No, that's not true. He's on his well-deserved long-service leave, um, and they'll be back within a couple of months. But I want to thank uh, the leader builders. Have them stand and stay standing. Simon, Ashley, where are you? There you are. Stand up, buddy. Get your feet off the chair. What's the matter with you? Bogan Victorian? What do you expect? Oh, Sorry. He's such a country boy. Love him to death. And uh, John O'Holt, there you are, buddy. Stand up. Good on you, mate. Now you can clap later. And then Jamie Faye and Pete Edwards is up there. Good on you, Pete. Stay standing. Um, These guys gave us a head start because of our previous vision. Not easy for them to do the things they did when we were being changed from the inside out to try to keep some momentum in those very important things that we have talked about for years. And I want to thank them and pray for them in a minute. But I also want to pray for our executive board. Some of those are off tripping too. What, you all think you're boomers or something? Anyway, uh, executive board, stand up. All of you that are on the board, thank you. There's a few of them here today. Yep, and a few are traveling. They have stepped out and made an investment for our future. Um, you know, you, you can have a board that is purely just a financial board and all they do is say yes and no to financial decisions and a few risks here and there. Or you can have a board that are men and women of faith who will say, we're going to take a risk. And that's what these men and women are. They are not just yes men and women. I can tell you that. They're not that at all. They know how to say no to me. And they don't always do it friendly like, yeah, no. Nah. Anyway, but they're allowed to because they hear God. That's why. And then for our staff, all of our staff want them to stand joy does an incredible job around there, all you guys. Simeon's, yeah, you didn't jump up here, right? All you guys, the staff stand up. Um, they're awesome. You know, they're, they're so incredible, and they're committed to the calling and the vision of victory. And we've walked through a lot uh, to get to this place. Yeah, why aren't you standing, Margie? See more people come to Christ than any other minister in the church. How dare you not stand? Stand up. Awesome. Awesome. She does an incredible job. 22 families, was it? set free from poverty in last year, which is incredible. Absolutely incredible. More to come, right? Good. What's that say again? Free decisions for Christ already, which is good, and more to come. She can't help herself. She just talks about Jesus. How good is that? You guys ought to get around and get infected with that. So um, I, I want to pray for all these men and women. I want us to bless them because... Uh, they go above and beyond 
just what a title role or a, a, a paycheck would give, some of them not paid, um, and, and they're just so committed to what God's called us to. Even in the face of, of uh, opposition and other things happening, they hung in there with faithfulness. The greatest key to success is faithfulness. You want to be successful, be faithful. You know, don't count your numbers, don't, count, don't look at your title, don't look at yourself in the mirror. You know, just be faithful to what God's trusted you with, and they have been for years. So if you're near them, won't you lay hands on them or get up? Come on, church, let's stand up. I just want to take two minutes and pray for them and declare over them the blessings of God, the favor of God. And I want you to join with me. I want you to start doing that. If you're near, all right, some of you guys put your hands up if, if you don't have somebody. Some of you staff members, others, if you don't have somebody with their hands laid on you to pray for you right now, put your hand up. We'll get people to you. Come on, church, begin to pray. Begin to thank God. I want you to really bless them in the name of Jesus. You know, in, in biblical times, blessing carried power. Jesus even said, you, you, you disempower people when you withhold a blessing, but you empower them. So come on, empower them right now just by blessing them. Bless their families, bless their finances, bless their health, bless their strength, bless their ministries. They're incredible people. Come on, church, you can pray a little bit more fervent than that. Raise your voice and pray like it was the last chance to pray for them. Come on, bless them in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for them, incredible men and women, so privileged to run this race with them, do the journey, and be in this vision of victory with them. No matter what others say, believe or disbelieve, these men and women believe that, God, you've called them, you've trusted them, and, God, you've favored them because they love this house and they know that you love this house. But, God, I declare over them, too, your amazing love and provision for them. If there's any sickness in any one of them right now, we speak healing in the name of Jesus. By your stripes, God, they can have that healing in Jesus' name. God, for any fracture in relationships, we pray. God, just a mending and a blessing and a putting together of relationship that would glorify you. God, in their finances, God, I pray, just continue to abundantly bless them in Jesus' name. God, I pray in their ministries. I pray, God, just fruit beginning to turn into much fruit, God, to overflowing. We thank you for every one of them, for each one of these men and women who love you and love this house, love the people of this city, love this land, believe in what you're doing in this day. And we just bless you for every one of them in Jesus' name. Amen. Give them a hand. Good. I'm the only one that gets to drink the colored water while we're here. It's, it's green, I can tell you. So we're safe. It's great. Hey, I was uh, <clears throat> recently thinking, praying about our vision, actually months ago, our future, thinking about that. And I just sensed the Lord saying, it's time. You know, it, we, we've been through a lot of stuff, but now it's time. It's time for growth. And it's time for influence. I know those aren't new things, but now they need to happen not just be talked about. And the Lord immediately took me to the gospel of John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, verse 8, Jesus said, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. It's, it's God's will that we be fruit bearers. It's not God's will when we're barren. I'm telling you. It's to my Father's glory that you bear, not just a little bit, it is time for much fruit. You know, they say in Australia, it is getting more and more difficult 
to bring people to Christ. Well, that's what statisticians say because they're interpreting the trends. They're not hearing prophetically. Don't take it as a prophetic voice. There never was a more difficult time in history to bring people to faith in God than there was at about, at about 30 A.D. in Jerusalem. And look what happened. A church was born that exploded. Time for much fruit. Verse 16, you didn't choose me, God said, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit. This isn't about us just sitting in here and getting some new trick. This is about us being people who go and bear much fruit. Fruit that's going to last. I tell you, I don't, I don't know what it does to your heart, but what it does to my it, it screws up my mind and it, it just takes life out of my heart when I see the fruit dying. When I see people walk away. We're not talking about a corporate entity here where, oh well, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about lives. And God is saying here, Look, I chose you and appointed you to bear fruit that will remain, period. I think for every kind of fruit that doesn't grow and thrive and it dies on the vine or off the vine, it should grieve every one of us so strong that we just keep believing for more fruit. To my Father's glory, you do this. And you know, in the season of the vision that we're in right now, we kind of believe we start praying about it. It's the will of God for the bearing of fruit, much fruit. It's time, regardless of what the trends are saying. And it's going to manifest in growth and influence that's both personal and corporate, that is individual and it's as a church. You ought to start walking through your workplace declaring, it's going to be fruit here. God's going to bring fruit into this season through me. This is my vineyard right here. And I'm going to break the fallow ground and I'm going to see fruit in this vineyard. You ought to do it in your neighborhood. You ought to walk around your neighborhood claiming families for Christ and doing that. It's to the Father's glory that you do that. I, it, what's your alternative? Your alternative is to give up and to say, the day of Christianity is over. Please come quickly, Lord Jesus. I, I can't get that. I don't buy into the theology that we're going to end on a downer. I, I believe that there is an end time harvest coming that no man can number. And I think we've got to believe for that. So what I want to do is I, I kind of <clears throat> want to launch us into the vision month with a passage of scripture that's been, uh, you know, our vision's been founded on it for 19 plus years. And by the way, our vision never changes. I know we say, oh, new vision, but our vision never really changes because we've taken the leaf out of the book that vision says who we are. All right, that never changes. It hasn't since 1999. We are a life-giving church empowered by the Spirit to influence our city and beyond for the kingdom of God, period. That never changes. What has changed over the years are seasons of focus in the vision. What we do to achieve and live that vision. Some call it a mission. Vision is who we are. Mission is what we do. And so, we, we've had these seasons of doing different things to achieve this vision. And in this next season, we are focusing on growth and influence. You know, it's, it's not a new thing. Think about it. Nearly 20 years ago, we talked about influencing our city for the kingdom of God. And, and this chapter in Isaiah 54, you know, it's, it's, you can take your Bible, turn there if you're going to use, a, as Simeon says, analog Bible, analog scriptures. You can turn there. You've got plenty of light in here. Um, it, find it interesting I started reading before Vision Month. I wanted to read through Isaiah. Isaiah is one of the preeminent prophets of the Bible. I thought, great, I want to read Isaiah. I got depressed about chapter 4. 
Because there's all this woe to you and you faithless people and you sinful people and I will abandon you and send you off into exile. I'm going, golly, that's not what I want to hear of vision, you know. And you weave in and out though, but then you find chapters that talk about, you know, forget the former things. I'm bringing a new day and there will be streams in the desert. And so all the way through this book where the, the prophet is forth telling the people, in other words, he's telling them off for their faithlessness, he also puts in seeds of faith and hope and life, streams in a desert. And interesting, chapter 54 follows chapter 53. Stupid is as stupid does. What's chapter 53, people? The Savior coming to secure salvation for the people. Isn't that interesting? That in chapter 53, the Messiah is coming to secure redemption for the people. And, and the restoration that God talks about in chapter 54 of the barren woman all of a sudden bearing much fruit than she ever thought she could. He has secured that by the sacrifice of his son. Interesting. The deal is this, what God promises, God secures. So in 54, God's promising there's going to be more, far more than you could ever imagine. But in 53, he says, but I'm going to make it possible. Okay? I'm doing this by the ultimate sacrifice made in history. And then he launches into this chapter, a chapter that is saying, you people are like a barren woman. You have no fruit. You are, you are bound, you are cast off into the wilderness, and you are, you, are, you are taken away into a place that's not your own, and you have no fruit, but sing, O barren, You've not, you who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child for more. Everybody say more. more. Right now say it like you mean it. More. More are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. You know, it would have been so easy for them to look around at the other nations and the nation, Babylon is prospering and Syria is prospering and all kinds of things and look at us and we're barren and where is God? He's turned away from us and against us and God says, woe to you, you've done this, you faithful people, but I will send a son, I will send a servant. By his stripes you will be healed. And he says, sing, just begin to sing. Begin to sing because you who haven't any fruit are going to have more than those who have a bit. I call this the faith element. Start singing before you get it because it's coming. Because every vision is energized and realized by faith. Listen to me. If a vision is doable just by planning and hard work, then there's no reason to trust God. I mean, I know businesses do it all the time and you do it so well and I applaud you, but we're not really in business here. You know, if we ask what's our business, well, our business is about reaching the lost, making disciples. The trends in society say, that's not going well today for hardly anybody. You know, if you look at the average statistics of how many churches are, are, are going downhill and shutting their doors and the average size church in Australia and in the West, you'd go, golly, business is poor. Well, it is if you look right now. 
But if you begin to sing and see what God sees, then you won't see that because in the natural, there might be many things that work against our vision coming to pass, but our faith rises up within us because here's the deal. Faith hears it. We hear a sound before anybody else hears it. So we start singing. And you need to understand, this is the most important part before you launch into a vision. You've got to hear it. You don't just got to hear me saying something. You've got to hear God saying something. It's the most important part because when we hear God speak, it creates faith. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And it generates faith in our life. And so we take the Word of God and we pump it into our soul. And you know what it does? It gives the Holy Spirit fertile ground. You know, you can't always have a Bible with you. And you'll be in places and you'll be in situations and you'll be in times where you come under a flood of attack or doubt or faithlessness. You can't go, wait, wait, let me get my Bible out. The Holy Spirit says, oh, no, no, just let me dig in. You know, your word have I hid in my heart, God, that I might not sin against you. Even, even when sin comes tempting, I had the weirdest thing happen this morning. Went to bed, tried to go to bed early last night. 2.30 this morning, my phone goes off. 2.30. Stop sending me something prophetic. All right. 2.30 this morning, my phone goes off. And it just startled me. But what happened was I was awakened out of a dream. Actually, I'd call it a nightmare. I had the weirdest dream that we were in a new facility. And we were in the office complex. And we were in the inner sanctum of the office complex where everybody just can't go. I turned and looked. And there was a nicely dressed man sitting there. And he was giving me the worst stare I can imagine. I don't normally dream like this. Ask Janet. I, don't, I just don't dream. And I turned to that man and realized this is no man. This is a demon. And he's coming against us. So I started trying to cast a, this demon out. Only to turn and find there's this older lady that I have seen in times past. I don't know where. But she was trying to come in while this was happening. To distract it. So I tried to usher her out of the office. And I turned to get rid of the demon. He's gone. And I turned and looked. And the old lady's back in. But she's doing something weird. And she has turned into a demon. Don't worry, all of you over 50. It was none of you. <laughs> you jest. We'll pray for you after and see if you manifest. No, no kidding. Okay. And all of a sudden, bang, my phone rings. And I'm startled and wake up. Funny thing, I looked on my phone, and it was my father trying to FaceTime me from America. And I thought, that's strange. I didn't answer it. It finished, and I sent him a text. Is something wrong? Are you trying to get me? Didn't answer. I'm trying to go back to sleep going, God, that, that was weird. Now, here's, here's the good thing. I'm, I lay back down, and Janet said, are you going to be able to go back to sleep? I said, I'm going to try. Normally, I wouldn't go to sleep because I'm going, what the heck was that? That was weird. Try to go back to sleep. And instead of focusing on the dream, guess what happened? The Holy Spirit started digging in and automatically scriptures started coming alive in my subconscious. Faith comes when you hear. So I went to sleep, slept like a baby till 5 o'clock. And, uh, and then I got up this morning, had breakfast, and I FaceTimed my dad. I said, what was that? Why would you try to call me? I didn't try to call you. I said, you did. You called me on FaceTime. No, I didn't call you on FaceTime. I said, check your phone. You called me. I sent you a text back. And he said, I must have bumped it. I didn't call you. So you know what happened this morning as I'm meditating? I'm going, God, I think you allowed that to happen to get me out of that nightmare. 
and then you, you, you started quickening the, the, the Scriptures in my soul so that when I get up to preach today, I'm not worried about the enemy. This is a faith element. We hear it. The, the, you know, the, the seed gets quickened in our life. But you know what happens when we hear it? Faith then begins to see it. It materializes long before we see the thing. God begins to speak to us. He, he gives us the ability to have eyes to see the unseen. I, I don't know if you realize this, but this is actually how we became Christian. You didn't see Jesus on a cross. You didn't get a vision of a man dying for you. You know what happened? You heard the word. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son, that if you believe him, you'll never perish. You'll live forever. And all of a sudden I hear it and something starts growing inside of me I never had before. It's called trust in God. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit allows me to see it. I see the Son of God on a cross. I see the Son of God ascended to heaven, interceding for me on my behalf, sending blessings down. I see it. My whole Christian journey is about seeing this thing. Hebrews 11.1 1 literally says this. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Have you ever thought about that? Hang on, hang on. I've never seen it. Where's the evidence? I mean, if you're a thinker, you might ask that question. I, I haven't seen this. Where's the evidence? Josh McDowell, one of the greatest thinkers of our time, um, who wrote More Than a Carpenter and uh, Evidence That Demands a Verdict and many apologetic writings about Christianity, at the end of his book, More Than a Carpenter, he... he tries to argue all of these reasons for believing in Jesus. And the last chapter is his crowning chapter. You know what he said? My greatest argument for the reality of Jesus Christ is that he changed my life. There's your evidence. Billions of lives across the planet changed. The Amplified says this, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Wow. Wow. It tells us that all of a sudden when we hear the Word of God, God begins to give dreams and visions. And we see what He's talking about. Not naturally. We see it long before we see it naturally. Let me give you an example. October the 1st, 1971. Five years after the great Walt Disney died, Disney World had its grand opening. And, and during the dedication ceremony, someone turned to Mrs. Walt Disney and said, isn't it a shame that Walt didn't live to see this? And Mrs. D Disney replied, oh, he did see it. That's why it's here. Come on, faith sees. Faith. And I'll still stand on this. Uh, I, I have seen a victory that is far larger than this. I have seen a victory that is packed out with young people. I have seen a victory with people who are hungry and passionate for what God is doing. So much so, I got to preach to them, and, and I saw so many people with their Bibles open taking notes that I turned and looked as if God was there and said, pinch me. I still believe that victory is coming. <clears throat> Our faith sees a life-giving church that's growing. I'm going to say this out right now. We're not about numbers, but we believe people will be added. In the book of Acts, they, they weren't about numbers, yet the Lord added to their church daily those who were being saved. It is time. It is time. And we see a church influencing our city and beyond like we have not seen in the last 20 years. 
So as we see it, here's what happens. Faith begins to speak it. We don't just hear it. We don't just begin to see something with the eyes of faith. We begin to speak it as if it were already real. Now, I I don't know about you. Here's a confession. This is an area I constantly struggle with because I analyze too much. I've got this analytical mind. Yeah, well, yeah, but, yeah, but, what if, what if? Somebody will say, and I go, yeah, but. Why do you always jump to that key? And I have to remind myself to stop focusing on what is and declare what will be. I I have to do that, guys. It's a discipline I have to do. I'm sure some of you are like that. And I'm not advocating a name it and claim it practice. God doesn't give you something just because you name it. I like what Pastor Phil says. Uh, The scripture does not say you'll get what you say. It declares you'll get what you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. So come on, believe in your heart that God has spoken to us about our growth and our influence. And then just begin to confess it because you're going to hear about some of that stuff in the weeks to come. You're going to hear staff members saying, God has put on our heart this kind of growth happening in this new season. And I believe he's given us dreams of what's going to happen. Some of the things are even going to take place beyond some of our time and into victory in the future. And I don't have a problem with that. I know, got prophesied over me years ago before I ever moved to Newcastle, you've got a David anointing, not a Solomon anointing. And I went, yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks for coming. Thanks for leaving. It's one of those prophetic moments you want to stone the prophets, not the crows. But I've, I've accepted it. I've come to accept it over the years, okay? If I have to raise up some Solomons who will do great things for the kingdom of God, so be it. Just unfortunate I've had to shed blood to do that, like David. But we need to change our language and speak with faith. Not what used to be, not even what could be, but what will be. So the prophet goes on in verse 2 and says this, and this is as far as I'm going today. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. This is the them factor. So significant. You think about the Bedouin kind of people they were. I mean... Abraham was a nomad, lived in tents. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Hildalgo. You should go see it. It is incredible. It's awesome. It's based on a true story. It's about a horse race, a horse, a Mustang called Hildalgo, who gets challenged to race across the Arabian desert against the uh, Arabian stallions and things. And this Bedouin has invited this half-breed American over to race his little Mustang against these big, strong horses. People die in that race when they do it every year. And so, at one part of the movie in the scene, this Bedouin snaps his fingers or something, and they roll up the curtains of the tent. And it's like he's living in a palace, it's so grand. But all of a sudden, when the curtains rolled up, you get to see how far this thing goes. Let them stretch out the curtains of your tent. The deal is this, a vision is never done in a vacuum. There's always our history, where we've come from. There's always the context of where we are at right now, what God is doing in us right now, and the vision we see is for tomorrow. But even though it doesn't just happen in a vacuum, neither does it happen alone. I don't know if you know, but Walt Disney did have a brother who was very involved in his efforts. It always involves and affects them because it's never done alone. Let them, the needs of the community, grow our vision. Let them do this. Now, last week we told you, come on, let's, uh, can you put up that next screen? Let's, 
see the securing of the building at Hopeton Street. We told you about this last week, whether you were here or not. The Victory Center. Um, I was a bit surprised only the first row got excited. I, I don't know if you realize the magnitude of this. I, I, I want to stretch you a bit. If you're hearing voices in your head going, but we don't have a home. Come on. Come on. God's grown us beyond that kind of thinking. Home is not a building called church. Home is a family gathered together for a purpose to influence a city. Home is a people. We have an identity. We have places, not a place. And we secured this, not only to help fulfill the vision of being multi-site, it enables us to have a hub where we can serve our community. We have a footprint in the CBD of Charlestown where we actively live out being church for the community. A place where we can serve the community. I don't know if you've ever been part of a church that is beyond just Sunday, but when you are, you will never go back to one that is just Sunday. Because God wants to reach people beyond just what we do on a Sunday. Far more. Gosh, if you look at it in the natural, it's only a seventh of our week that God's given to us. Every, every other week, I pray with pastors from our area. I've been doing this since 1996, our geographic area. So, they've walked with me on the journey where God just turned me inside out. They've walked with us through the pain of not getting buildings and, and declaring for us buildings and in our prayer meetings. And so, on Thursday, I took them down to the ground floor, walked them around and said, here's our vision. This is part of our vision. And I want to tell you, they got more excited than you did. I, I'm sorry to say that, but they did. They got more excited than you did. Let me tell you why. They said, Keith, Gone is the day where we build huge warehouses that are used once or twice a week and we spend tens of millions on those warehouses while the community is lost and broken and hurting and we're not investing in that. We, get, we have the old Kevin Costner prophecy, build it and they will come. Maybe you didn't see the movie Field of Dreams. Gosh, I feel like Darren, I'm referring to movies today. Anyway, one of the pastors stood there, been praying with him, I don't know for how long, maybe 1996. And you know what he said? Don't know if you remember this, Keith. But when you guys first moved off Fraser Parade, I stood in one of our prayer meetings together and I said the words, God is putting you in the center of Charlestown to be a light on a hill, to be a place where the lost are drawn. And so you have impact in this city for, for the kingdom of God. And he said, this now gives you potential for that. Let them... Let them enlarge the place of our tent. Because, see, it, letting them enlarge the tent is not just about an effect on them, those outside the church. It's also an effect by them, people inside the church. A Bedouin's tents aren't just stretched out by servants, but also stretched out by sons. They know that's their future. So they stretch out the tent. And stretching, see, if it's only done because of the needs of the people outside, it becomes reactionary, not visionary. Listen to me. It's when people inside get passionate and they plan and they are ready to stretch the tent to reach as many as possible. And there's something prophetic in verse 3 that says the phrase, your descendants will. Listen to me. You need to let this word 
do something about life in you. Your descendants will. They will take over nations. They will inhabit cities. And you can imagine the Jewish people thinking, we're captive. We're prisoners. What are you talking about? Cities, nations. Isaiah sees down through time and history, not to just not to just Israel inhabiting Palestine, but to the church of the living God throughout the world. That's what he sees. I'm telling you, God wants to do far more than we can see right now, and our descendants will. There, there, there are going to be people with dreams and visions that's going to enlarge our tent, that's, that's, that's going to be generational, and it's going to stretch us. They're going to stretch out and lengthen our cords further than what we could imagine, and Janet and I are going to continue to strengthen our stakes here. So it stays strong. So in saying that, what we're doing is this. Um, We're preparing and structuring staff so that, number one, it's going to release me and Janet to operate as senior ministers over the whole of Victory Ministries, not just leading one of the campuses. Most of my time is taken up leading a campus. And so it then stops me from doing more, the, more of what God has called me to do into our future. Years and years ago, just prophesied over us an apostolic mantle that would be like a father and a mother over a network of churches and mentoring people even outside of that. And something, uh, something that be, we began talking about in 1999, we still haven't gotten there. And I believe now is the time for this to happen. I put up a diagram, something like this. The five-fold ministries... Um, the fivefold ministries in Ephesians for that apostolic kind of mantle you would, we would see over our network of churches and everything else. And Janet and I would be up in that fivefold ministry, even along with other people who would help do what Ephesians 4 talks about in equipping the saints for the work of ministry for the maturing of the body. And so in that, you see, there's, there's five bush centers servicing a thousand children a week. You go, oh, it's just a business. Oh, Lord, help you. There's 450 families with needs. That is not just a business. Those are people that we can begin to minister into their lives. Then you've got Central Campus, Northwest Campus. You've got the Victory Center there. You've got Extension Services, the third campus to come, and more things to happen. It lifts me and Janet up so we can sit over that with other people and help make that happen. So we're structuring for that. But secondly, what happens is it causes growth and influence to happen in our ministries, in our departments, in our campuses, in our extension services, as people with gifts and anointing rise up and they're released. If it depends on me having hands on everything, it is going to stop growth. I'm telling you, I backed out of a meeting the other day, said, if I come anymore, I'm just going to bog you down. Just let me out of this thing. And thirdly, what it does is this, it lets them the generations, the descendants who will enlarge the place of our tent. It's time for that. And we're going to talk about this more in weeks to come, but for now I want to share some exciting news. So we're starting to restructure staff. Some of them are new appointments. Some of them are staff members rising up to a new level. And it affects, most of these affect victory as a whole and one affects here. So what we see is Pastor Geraldine Baker, Jezza. I'm not going to tell you my pet name for her. She said I can't. No, she said no. I'm going to respect her. You might not, but I will. I'm going to respect her. But in the office, boom, she gets it. All right. So she's actually, along with leadership and ministry, she's being the associate pastor of her operations to make everything run and work well. Then we have, we have Pastor Karen Thorpe right there. 
not just associate pastor over beyond in victory, but associate pastor over the C3 network in the whole of the region so that C3 churches work together to influence this city and beyond. That's already, that's already taking place. We are joint, we're together doing the carols at the beach at Merriweather. We've never done that before. They have, they have 10,000 people come to those carols. And Karen's help engineering that thing along with a creative team. But then there's Pastor Mel Ashley. Where'd you go? There you are. Yeah. Um, as you know, we ordained Mel as a pastor in, uh, in January, but she's, she's developed a, a pathway called GROW. It's a pathway for the development of people and the disciple-making of people and the launching of people into their God-given calling and, and everything. We've talked about this for years. It is time for this now to be activated in a way that starts growing and influencing. And then one you might not know, Jess Cowan. Uh, for years now, our kids' ministry over both campuses have operated as a team without a leader. Uh, we've been praying for a leader. Jess is from our Northwest campus. She has risen up. By the way, her surname, uh, you know, her, her maiden name is Edwards. I just want to say that. You know, it's, it's prophetic in there. We're taking over. I said to these guys this morning, we're taking over. Um, she came and said she believes she's called by God to be the Victory Kids leader over the whole thing not just the campus, which is a great thing. And one that Janet and I uh, were really excited to bring to you because we've seen this young couple rise up um, in a D group with us from 2013 on. We've watched them develop. We've watched their giftings develop. We've watched the passion grow. We've watched the love for this house called Victory grow. Uh, we are just so excited to tell you that as of this day, pastors Nate and Rachel Welburn will be the campus pastors of Central. Okay? Just like, just like pastors Darren and Beck are the campus pastors over Northwest, these guys, they've already started doing it a bit. We put him on a, a dry run when we were on holidays last year, and he became an acting campus pastor. I noticed he never took it off his signature. <laughs> faith sees, faith says, prophetic. That's right, it was. And we're so pleased with that. I want to invite him up and invite Janet up. Just give that to David, Janet. Um, we're going to let them talk and we're going to pray over them. Sorry, that's for me to get some energy. Don't laugh, Simon. You advocate healthy living. She's not calling him any names. She's just handing a banana. That's mine. I'll take responsibility for that. Now, we're excited about this, uh, really excited about this, and we believe it's going to cause this campus to grow. But you've got to see it. Not just them. You've got to see it. And we see it. We believe it. We want you to stand with us. What do you guys want to say before we pray for you? I've got my own. Thanks very much. <laughs> she had hers before. Thank you. Anyway. Come on. We are so thrilled and so privileged to be um, running alongside with Pastor Keith and Janet. Um, we're not here to do our own thing. We're here to run with these guys and yep. to see the vision that's been set accomplished in this church. And we're so excited to see, we see every seat in this auditorium filled. Right. Not just Come for on. numbers sake, but because every one of these seats that are empty signify a person that doesn't know Jesus right. yet. And we love this church. This is our home. This is our family. Yeah. And we are so pumped to see every, every person in this house achieving what God has put on their hearts to achieve. Yeah. So we're, we're very excited. Yeah. Super. Yeah, I love that Pastor Keith talked about um, them 
this morning. And, and the reality is that although uh, it's an announcement about Rachel and I, the, the vision of this house is it's about them. Uh, and that's them is, is you guys. Uh, the vision of this house, the vision of Central Campus isn't achieved uh, in Rach and I. Uh, it, it's achieved in all of us. Right. When you read that scripture yeah. that Pastor Keith talked about out of John uh, 15, 8, uh, all of the language in that scripture is inclusive. Yes. The only I is, is where God is referencing himself. The rest is us, them. Right. There is a togetherness <laughs> in seeing the much fruit come to pass. And come so Rachel and I believe in the future of this campus. We believe that there is much fruit on this campus, but that we believe more than anything that it is done together. It's all of us together. Right. It's all of us right. functioning in the gifts that God's put on all of our lives to see lost people one into his kingdom and this campus grow and influence the city uh, for what it's, it's always been meant to do. So that, that's awesome. it. Yeah. We just, uh, I mean, we already ordained these guys as pastors. That's been done. But we kind of want to release them for this and want you to stand with us in this. So would you stand? We want to release them because <clears throat> things don't happen overnight. And these guys didn't get this overnight. They started, came back from England. I think Rachel was my PA for a while. Um, Nate was teaching at school, still is. And then they just slowly kind of came along, came to our D group in our home and just watched them really develop in so many gifts and ministries and you know, great preaching, great worship leading, but also loving the house of God and, uh, and that. So I want you to stand with us as we, we just think there's something to release today um, and, and to believe that that release is going to make this growth and influence happen, particularly here at Central Campus, right? Yeah. So extend your hands out towards these. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.